Just want to keep in the presence of God, don't we? Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, I did mention yesterday morning um, this what Paul introduces every epistle with. And uh, in Ephesians 1 2, it says, I grace and peace from God our Father. And we've got a Father, haven't we? It's wonderful. And from the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace and peace that we all need on a daily basis. We must have grace and peace. I feel the Holy Spirit said to me about three or four months ago, and I was in this given situation, and um, uh, I was getting a bit wound up by a bank, you know, and this bank was winding me up a bit, and I was going from pillar to post. (laughs) And I came off, off the phone, the Holy Spirit said to me, you see, you should have waited for this because it would have been resolved in about three days if you hadn't bothered to ring. What you needed is a bit more patience, so you needed a bit more grace. <laughs> and, you know, in our lives, the enemy wants to get you into a, a lot of bother and upset and everything, but we need to be in grace. Because Paul opens this epistle, and we can read these epistles and think, well, that's the introduction. That's not important, but it is important. Because if he's opening with that to the church, us, then we need to know that we need grace and peace. And so I began to look this up. I thought, I've got to find out about this because you know how it is, and I start digging. (laughs) And when you start digging, you find gold. (laughs) In the spirit, that is. (laughs) I wish we could find someone normal, but no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hear it's gone up in value a lot lately, but anyway. Anyway, this goal we've got is very valuable. It, our, our like precious faith is more valuable than gold. That's what Peter says. Because if you can get hold of faith, this is the victory that overcomes everything that's against you and me, and it's faith. This is the victory that overcomes this world around us, even our faith. And it's a personal faith. Anyway, but not stop talking about faith, but uh, grace and peace. And so I began to look at this, and I looked up to different things, and I found that grace is the beginning of faith. So if you want faith, you can't have it without grace. Because by grace you are saved through faith. Understand? You know, people say, if only I had faith to believe for this, that, or the other. Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's get to the root of it. You need grace. And that's why Paul keeps opening up every epistle and says, grace and peace from God your Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and I found, and I found out that peace is actually the end of my faith. <laughs> so if you can get Grace and faith, you'll arrive at peace. And peace in the Hebrew means wholeness. Complete wholeness for spirit, soul, and body. See, we've got to grasp this, that God wants us whole. Doesn't he? He wants you whole, me whole, our spirit, our body, and everything about us. You know, we've got this idea in the church that God is in just saving the perishing and the souls. 
Well, it's all very well to be saved if you're dying somewhere, but you need a bit of aftercare attention, don't you? You know, it's normal, isn't it? You've got to think about it. If, if you save somebody from drowning and you get all the water out, you just leave the bloke on the beach and say, will you get on with it now? <laughs> no, you, you do something about him. You try and get him and, and put him somewhere and make sure and check him over. And God, our Father, wants us to have grace that we might have peace. And, and, I, and I hadn't sort of looked at this really before. So grace is the fountain it's the very spring. It's the very source. Because the kingdom that we've been born into, the kingdom of God, is in fact a kingdom of grace. Right? And as the old preachers would tell you, this kingdom of grace leads you to the glory of God. So we've got grace, peace, and once you get peace, wholeness, you can get into the presence. It's like the tabernacle isn't it? You've got to present your body a living sacrifice on a daily basis. You've got to wash in the labor, haven't you? The word of God. You, as you read this word, whether you feel it, you don't know, just read chapters. Just read it. Get an epistle. Don't just read one verse. Just read the whole epistle. And if you don't get it, just read it again. And what will happen, the Holy Spirit will start to speak to you about something. I mean, when I was going through this, the Lord, I found this little book. I was telling John last night. I got a lot of books. And I found this little book by Andrew Murray. It's only a small book on humility. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you see, you need to humble yourself. See, you know, the Holy Spirit's always got something to tell you when you need it. Because an old preacher said, when pride, when your pride is the greatest enemy to our faith, so if pride is trying to knock it, come through your front door, he said, even when you push it out the front door, it's in the back door before you know it. <laughs> so it's something you've got to deal with, you see, and I'll come to this in a minute. But so grace is the origin, the source, the fountain of everything in the Christian life. Why? Because the kingdom of God runs on grace. You know, we need power for these lights. Without power, you have no lights. Without grace, the Christian has nothing. It's all the source is in the grace of God. It's the favor of God, isn't it? So grace is, then the Christian life must produce peace. We must have peace. None of you want to be in strife, hatred, unforgiveness, you know, wrath, anger. You know, because I've seen a lot of Christians, when it doesn't quite go their way, <laughs> they can get quite annoyed and I've heard some quite, um, you know, uh, not very kind words, <laughs> and fist shaking fists, and all this business. This is not fair. Well, nothing's fair down here. That's why in the gospel you get justice. That's why you've been justified by faith, isn't it? That God will give you justice. God is just, isn't it? But we've got to understand that this kingdom we're working in works on grace. So you step out of grace, you're in trouble. You know, Saul stepped out of grace, didn't he? And his life gradually went downhill, didn't it? Saul the king. And he built a monument to himself. See, pride came in. I'm the greatest. Well, you're not the greatest, neither am I. It's Christ in you is the greatest, isn't it? So it's the grace of God to us. So we've got to get hold of this. 
So what is grace? Grace essentially is unmerited favour. Favour, I do not deserve. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. It's, it's favour we receive, but have no... can't read my writing. Hang on. Oh, right to rest. It is condescending love, love that comes down, stepping down in kindness towards us. It's the grace of God. It's his favor. In other words, it's his blessing. Who, don't you want to be blessed? Yeah. You know, our father's Abraham. Do you ever mind Abraham going to the hospital? Was he ever sick? Was he ever short of money? No. Did he ever need anything? No. Because he had favor. He was blessed out of his socks, wasn't he? God just blessed him. Why? Because he followed God, he obeyed God, and he believed God. He made mistakes like us all, but God kept coming back to him, and God will keep coming back to you and saying, you're going the wrong way, listen to me, and repent and just go the right way, isn't it? So peace is much more, though, than rest. I mean, there is a rest of God, which is another matter, but we won't go into that. It, it's not quiet, it's not just a cessation of hostilities. Peace in the Greek is union. It means union. Now, Romans 5, when Paul is teaching us the gospel, Romans 5 is all about union. But in the, as we said, in the, in the um, Hebrew, it means wholeness. There's a very important scripture, 1, Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's 23, and it says, God prays for us, the church, that you're... Better look it up for you. Get this right. 1 Corinthians, I think it's 5.23. And this is an important verse. It's helped me a lot. Um, um, Because if you can see this... um, I think it's 23... Yeah, 23. It says, the very God of what? Thessalonians. Thessalonians. What did I say? What did I? Oh, sorry. I'm getting confused. Sorry. 1 Thessalonians. Sorry, not Corinthians. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Sorry. And you notice it says, this is what Paul says, the very God of what? Peace. He's the God of peace. So if you want to have God working in your life, you've got to have grace to start with which gives you peace. Understand? So the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that gives you a spirit, soul, and body. You've got to understand God wants you completely whole. We might not arrive there, but we, if we don't set the standard... If the teaching doesn't give you where you're supposed to go, you never go there, will you? Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to set the standard. We've got to teach the word so that people know where they're supposed to be going. Haven't they? Because if you, you know, I was in a Bible study the other night, and this woman said, well, we're only talking about salvation. I said, salvation means wholeness. Oh, she said, never heard that before in her life. This is person been in church all her life. Think about it. We haven't, you know, we've got to understand what Paul is teaching us. And if we don't know it, and we, don't be, we will never believe it, so we will never have it. 
you know, I, and like Alan said last night, we, we are, he's like me, he's, he's a little bit older than me, but we're all getting a little bit older, and we get challenges in our body. But the Lord keeps telling me about the Psalm 91, he renews your youth like the eagles. Every time that happens, and then he says to me, the Holy Spirit, as your days, so shall your strength be. So if my faith is in the word, I've got something to go for, to reach for, haven't I? But if I can't see it in my faith, and I say, I'm old, I'm dying, and that's the end of me, you know, and you think you just pack up, don't you? Well, you were not supposed to pack up. We're supposed to keep going, aren't we? You know, we've got to have a vision of who we are in Christ. And if we can't believe for wholeness, we'll never have it. Never. This woman is, is, you know, she's a walking organ recital. But, you know, you can't tell some people. You know, she rings me up. Gordon, please pray. I've got a lump on my head, and I've got to go to the hospital, and they think it might be cancerous. I said, don't be silly. And I said, you're going to be fine. I said, we're going to pray, and you're going to be fine. Turns out it's not, it's something else, you know. But, you know, it's fear, is is invading God's people. And we've got this inheritance, we've got all these riches, and we're living like paupers. You know, you don't go on a cruise ship and live on bread and cheese, do you? You, you go on a cruise ship to eat the fields in the dining room. But it's like God's people are on the cruise ship eating bread and cheese. Well, it's ridiculous. I, I, I get so exasperated, and I try to say to these people, and, and I can tell them, it's like they've got earplugs in their ear. Honestly, it's like somebody's put earplugs in their ear, and you say something to them, and nothing's registering, you know. Why? Because you've got, as we'll discover in a minute, you're going to have to go through a process. <laughs> it says the very God of peace, what? This big word, sanctify now, a lot of people don't like this. They don't want to know about this because they like to be as they are. Well, you're going to have to change. <laughs> you're going to have to take the treatment. And some of the treatment I've had has not been very nice. No, I, I mean, when God saved me, I was a complete rebel. And when I got saved and justified and born again, I was still a lot about me still the same. You know, when I look back, I think, Ugh. Good, you know, I just had to live with this for 43 years, you know. That's why I call her Saint Irene. You know, and she says, well, you have changed. I said, thank you, Lord, I have changed. <laughs> but, but it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult, isn't it? You know, we've all born, and we don't know what we're getting when we marry one another. We haven't got a clue. We haven't got a clue who we've joined up to. We see this perfect-looking person, and they suddenly go home with them, and then, wow. Well, well, the thing is, the thing about it is, God's got you, and he's changing you. We're in a process. Sanctification is a process. Now, some people don't believe that. They think when they get born again, they're perfect. How they can think that, I don't know. I think that's a real brainer. I think you've lost it because you don't look perfect and you're certainly not perfect. And how in the world can you think that you are? And this one woman said to her, but I'm full of God. I'm full, she said. And we just looked at her and we thought, goodness, but this is the problem. <laughs> full of God. I thought, no, we, uh, the Bible tells us we're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So we'd be, well, you eat every day, don't you? 
You get up in the morning, have your breakfast. Well, if you think the spiritual man is any different, as I said to John last night, you've got to feed that inner man. You've got an inner man. But you see, the problem we've got is we think, oh, this is more important out here, whether that vase should be there or that vase should be there. Well, who cares where the stupid vase is? <laughs> you know, let's get something in our inner man. <laughs> you know? All these people getting so excited about all this stuff out here. Well, you've got something greater than out there is in you. Christ in you. You've got to concentrate. See, God will see to all the vases for you. Just, you know, just concentrate on, you know, it's a Martha tempa, uh, mentality in the church. You know, Martha is one of these pieces chasing their tail the whole time, you know, trying to cook about 10 meals at once, you know, and Jesus could just fix it like that. You know, I listened to that message with uh, Julia in, in Basel, and I just love it. You know, that heavenly barbecue. heavenly barbecue on the beach. I thought, that's it. Jesus can just get fish from somewhere and, and cook it for you and give it to you. You know, are we honoring him? And I've got a, we've all got a problem with this. Get up in the morning, we think, well, there's the grass to cut, the hedges to cut, we've got to go to Aunt Morriston's, and then we've got to Asden, and then we've got to do all this. No, no, no. You get your priorities right, and everything will fall into place. It will. And this is, this is how, you know, it's grace. We need grace. I'm, I'm waking up every morning, I say, Lord, please give me some grace so that I can have peace. <laughs> yeah we need peace <laughs> that's wholeness you know if you are aggravated and upset you're not going to hear nothing because all you're concerned about is this bee that's going around in your head you know something's done something you know you know well, we all know what it's like. And, and, and the thing is, swat the jolly thing, you know. <laughs> get the swatter out and swat the jolly bee. Get rid of it before it does any more damage to hinder you, you know. But this is the point. So peace in the Greek is union, wholeness. So the Old Testament, well, we look in the Old Testament, and this is what Paul says in Hebrews 2.14. He hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us and by one spirit, we have come together. I don't understand this. What Jesus did has made peace. She just, having therefore been justified by faith, when Christ gives us his righteousness, we have what? Peace with God. You see, the problem with a lot of people, if they, can't, if they think they're just a forgiven sinner, and they don't understand they're declared righteous, there's all this inner conflict. You see, so peace has got to be within. You know, the peace of God. So if you can get the peace of God, you will have the peace within. You understand? You've got to, the war has got to be over between you and God. You know, when you see a believer and they're shaking their fist, they haven't quite grasped they're justified. You understand? They don't quite understand that they're declared righteous. And this is the whole problem, you see. And then you've got these people in the church, like the Catholic tradition, and it seems to me some people even in the faith tradition, the two extremes, they think that they're made righteous. 
And so they're perfect. And then you get these statements, and they say, you see, God can't find any fault in me. Well, you know, I don't quite agree with that, because sanctification, I'm not perfect. I know that God is trying to change me. You see, but I'm declared righteous. But what sanctification does is deal with my things that come up in my life and says, repent of that, and I can move on. And I can climb, like Julia said, we can climb higher up the mountain. No, God wants us to move in the presence of God. And we've got to learn somehow to enter into the glory more. There's something God, the Holy Spirit, is trying to teach us. It's not you getting a program and winding it. It's you learning to wait on the Spirit, to let the Spirit lead you into the glory. Understand? There's got to be that initial sacrifice. The lay, it's, you know, it's the brazen altar in the Old Testament to give you a picture. But you've got to come to the, the labor to wash because you can't, then, and then you can come to the holy place where there is worship. And then you eat the bread. You understand? And then you can have the glory. But there's a pathway, isn't there, in to the presence of God. So anyway, we need grace and peace continuously. I'm asking for it every day. Every day. Because there's certain things in your life and mine that are difficult. Every one of us has got situations. We heard bad news in our family not long ago, and some of you know about it. And the enemy wants to bring fear. And fear is the opposite of peace, isn't it? and faith and we got to understand if we got the peace of God which passeth all understanding it'll keep your heart and it'll keep your mind it garrisons it from all the attacks of the enemy because you're in the grace of God and you come to peace isn't it and that's where I want to be now um, man in sin is an enmity against God see so he needs Grace. Now, I want to use as an illustration somebody in the Old Testament, and this is a lady, a, a sister, a woman. <laughs> I, I, Irene and I have been quite. It's sometimes Irene and I both get the same sort of thing at the same sort of time because you know we're in the same house because you know we're eating the same food, and you know when you're praying, the, the Holy Spirit is saying something to her and then something to me, because. You know, she, this lady, this woman, is an example of somebody who was sorely tried. And some of us have been through some sore trials. <laughs> they, are, they are brought to a place where, you know, you can do the scream the habdabs, you know. You, <clears throat> everything is a little bit hairy. And it's in Genesis, it's in Genesis 29. And um, we'll just look at this lady a minute and we'll come back to something else. And um, it's in verse 31. And you know, you know the story probably, to give you the background, is that Jacob has now run from his brother, who wants to kill him, uh, Esau, and he runs to his uncle's house. He's now in his uncle's house and he's got no dowry, has he? Like his father had to get his mother, Rebecca. So he's having to work, as the custom was in those days, for his wife. So he sees this Rachel, who is a ravishing beauty. She's absolutely gorgeous, evidently. <laughs> and he's absolutely, you know, starstruck. Well, the point about it is, 
he says, what will my wages be? So this, uh, Jacob says, I'll work seven years for her. He must have loved it for seven years, mustn't he? Working for seven years just to have Rachel. Anyway, he does this. But on the wedding night, our Uncle Laban <laughs> has done... You know, you see, when I worked in the forest of Dean, there's a saying there, if somebody was a bit of a crook, they say you can see them behind a corkscrew. Well... <laughs> You could see Laban behind a corkscrew. There were so many twists in him. As it proves later in the story, he was, a real, <laughs> he was a real schemer, but it didn't work because he wasn't in the grace of God. So, you know, no schemer outside God's grace is going to work. Anyway, but he puts this eldest daughter, doesn't he, who's older than Rachel, who's fair-eyed, she's, she's all right, but she's not up to the standard of Rachel. <laughs> puts her, and, so, and of course, in those days, no, no electric lights, is there? <laughs> he, do- <laughs> he doesn't know what he's getting into bed with. <laughs> anyway, he knows it's a woman, but that's about it. <laughs> anyway, daylight comes in the morning <laughs> through the tent. <laughs> And lo and behold, it is not Rachel. <laughs> wow, what a surprise, isn't it? Anyway, in, in all these circumstances, and, and we've had some surprises in our life, haven't we? <laughs> we, we've been in some funny situations, haven't we? <laughs> oh, oh dear. Which we, won't, which we won't talk about, but anyway. <laughs> Anyway, you know, he's getting really worked up now. <laughs> Jacob, why have you given... Oh, well, she's the eldest girl. And in our country, we don't give the younger. So, you, you know, you work another seven years, so 14 years now for two women. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the corkscrew Laban, you know. And anyway, uh, the, the, this is an extraordinary thing about this woman. I never really thought about her much. I've never really, you know, I've read it and read it and read it, but never really given her much attention. Um, and it says in verse uh, 31, or 29, this is, the, this is the justice of the Lord. This is the justice of the Lord. Mate. And in a way, you see, you've got to understand that Jacob, with all, his, all the need to be sanctified in his life, like us all, he's called, he's chosen, He's justified, but this Jacob, as we know from Scripture, he's got a lot of work need to be done on him, isn't he? Like, like us all. You know, we're all in a process. You know, it says in the old prophets, to remove the iniquity from Jacob, or to remove the iniquity from Gordon. You know, we've all got things that we need changing. Well, you know, but the point about it is, she's, Leah is now joined to somebody chosen by God. Understand? She didn't ask to be... And in a way, uh, I didn't ask to go to Newark. I got dragged there by my grandmother and mother. I didn't even know, I didn't even know what I was going to when I was a teenager. Stayed in some hotel, and there I am in this meeting with the glory and the power of God. Didn't even know what was happening. And then suddenly, bang, the power of God hits you. You get quickened, and you're born again. Suddenly, you know, the lights go on. I was spiritually dead, now I'm suddenly spiritually alive. Why? Because I'm in a place where the anointing and the power of God is. And I get born again. 
It's tremendous. The power of God, you see. Well, she's joined, Leah. He's joined to this one. And the Lord looks on her and says, well, she's joined now to my chosen. And this is what he says. This is what the Lord, and when the Lord saw that Leah was what? Hated. Not very nice to be a wife that's hated, is it? You know, in a relationship where you're not liked, and you've got another woman next to you, because she came a week later, not, not seven years later, a week later, although he had to work another seven years to pay the money for these two wives. So, you know, you imagine it now. A woman in your house, and you're just sidelined. Not very nice. What you need is grace. Isn't it? You see, and that's why in our lives, we've all got difficult things. Maybe it's not quite as bad as Leah. But some of us have been through some tough places, haven't we? Difficult situations. We've been through, well, I, I said to somebody, hell and back. <laughs> It seemed in, my, in one period of my life, I, I picked up the book of Job. I thought, all these chapters in Job, what's, what on earth is Job all about? And the Lord said to me, see, you're not as bad as Job. You haven't lost your wife, and all, not your wife, all your possessions and all your children. And, all your, and, you, and you're not sitting in the dust with boils all over your body. Well, I said, I, I'm feeling pretty bad, Lord. <laughs> I, I was feeling very sorry for myself. I was like somebody, talk about peace. I was, I was like somebody, if anything, anything looked a bit dodgy, I was like jelly on the plate. I was shaking, you know, because I was learning about these things. I was learning <laughs> about faith, learning about justification, learning, and God was teaching me in all these trials and testing me in all these things so that I would come to faith. To realize it's not in me, it's in Jesus. And we've all got to come to this, haven't we? So Leah hated, and it says, God opened her womb, but he made Rachel barren. Yeah, this is God now. Why? Because she's joined to Jacob. And, and, then, and, and it says, and then she, and, she call, and she had a son, and she called his name Reuben. Now there is a progression a growth now in this woman's life, and she's been developed spiritually. You know, you can see now if you follow through with it. And that's exactly what God wants to do to you. Even though you might be in suffering, because Paul says you're going to suffer with him, then you will reign with him. You see, we're in a, we're in a world, a Jesus, that, that they hated Christ, didn't they? But he humbled himself. Jesus, didn't he? He was the son of God, and yet he was the son of man, but he humbled himself. And he did only those things his father said to him to do. Now, Rachel is in the hands of God now, because God is on her case. Got to understand, you see? I mean, she could have run, couldn't she? She could have said, I'm, I'm off to Las Vegas or somewhere. I've had enough of this. But no, no, she stayed in the house, didn't she? And as you study the life of Leah, she came to know God. Why? Because she's joined. That's what peace means. Joined. Union. We are joined to Christ. And if you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ, in every situation, he'll bring you through if you can stand in grace. Having therefore been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And in this grace, we stand. 
And this is our position. And so we need grace and peace every day. So I was asking the Holy Spirit to help me. And she says, and she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, in verse 32, now therefore my husband will love me. Because she has this son, because the other one has no children, see? Well, Reuben means a son. And you see, you are a son and daughter of God. Because you are joined to Christ, and maybe the world and everything has rejected you, but you're in Christ. And she had this son. And then she conceived again and bare another son and said, because the Lord hath heard me. Now she's, she's not only saying, the Lord has heard me. She's praying, this woman, an ungodly woman, is coming to the household of faith, joined to Jacob. She's believing God, and now she's hearing God. I said, she's progressing. And this is where we've got to progress, where we hear God. And uh, he's heard uh, that I was hated, and uh, therefore give me this son, and called his name Simeon. What does Simeon mean? Simeon means hearing. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In our situation, you've got to hear God. God can give you a word, and that word will solve your problem. Because that word is the wisdom of God for you. Oh yeah, that word is the wisdom of God. And you've got to learn to wait in God's presence till you hear a word from God. And it might take some time, but you will hear it. And then it says, and she conceived again in verse 34, and bare son, and she said, no will my husband be joined to me because I've borne him three sons. And that's what Levi means. Levi means union. The priests, uh, priests came from Levi, didn't they? And that would, they were joined to Christ. They served in God's house, didn't they? The house of Levi. And then she conceived again, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord, and she called him Judah. Wow, yeah. She's come from being hated. She's got a son. She's hearing God. Isn't it? Think about it. She's hearing God. She's um, hearing God. She's joined. She feels joined. She feels that God is in, on her case. She's joined, and now she's praising God. Yeah. As I said yesterday morning, when you grasp the cost and the depth of sin you were in and the tremendous grace of God upon your life, you will rejoice like Paul did this morning up here. Yeah, you'll start rejoicing. It's tremendous. Yeah. And praise. You see, she came to a place of praise. An ungodly woman gets joined to Jacob and you're joined to Christ. You've got a much better husband than that. <laughs> You've got Christ, haven't you? And it's wonderful, isn't it? So it says in that chapter, and when Rachel saw that she bared Jacob no more children, Rachel envied her sister. You know, you got all this uh, envy. And, uh, but, and it says, and behold, and she put it in the mouth, and you go over, and then you go over into chapter 30 and verse 14. You have this story now that her eldest son, Leah's eldest son, goes at the days of the wheat harvest and finds mandrakes in the field. Well, nobody today seems to know what a mandrake is. It's not a duck, I don't think so, but <laughs> it's some sort of thing that grows in the field. 
it's uh, so it's some sort of thing that grows, and it must have been a delicacy. And because he says, I brought them unto my mother Leah, and Rachel said, Give me, I pray thee, thy sons make this is Rachel talking to Leah. And she said, It is a small matter that thou hast taken, you know, this statement, taken my husband. This woman feels, even though she's had four children, four sons, and even though she's come through this process, God is still testing her. You see, God is always testing us to develop our faith. Without any tests, your faith can't grow. You know, it's the same in any world. You know, I was thinking, uh, we've got a chap who does, you know, all our plumbing, and, and he, he's, he's gone a bit on his leg. He had this operation on his leg, and his son told me, He's had enough of this because he's got to go back now and do some more exams in order to be a gas engineer. And you know, because you've got to, dip, you know, things move on. And it's the same in any field, isn't it? And it's the same in our spiritual growth. God wants to develop you to make you fruitful, so that people can you can help somebody, and so you can be a blessing. So she says, therefore, lie. And Jacob came, and so Rachel said, therefore, he shall lie with thee tonight, for thy sons may drink. And Jacob came out of the field, and Leah met him. And she's talking about hiring her own husband. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's hard, isn't it? Difficult situation to be in. And um, God, and then again, God hearkens to Leah. She's praying, and God is answering her prayer. And she conceived and bare Jacob a fifth son, and the fifth son means reward. You see, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's something diligent about Leah. She's not giving up. She's sticking to it. I don't know whether I should tell you the name of Leah. In, um, I looked it up in my, all my Bible dictionaries and all this, but I was rather shocked when I actually found out what Leah's name meant. I don't know whether I should actually tell you. Is it all right to tell you? Okay. Well, it means old cow. <laughs> Wild cow. Well, I knew a family that had a lot of children. And a relative we know went to stay with this family. <coughs> and evidently, when the mother went out to shopping and the relatives were left with all these children, these children said to me, she's an old cow, but we're not frightened of her. We're not frightened of her. Evidently, she was very handy with the big spoon, you know. <laughs> and they were under a lot of discipline, from all accounts. Pity for them, isn't it? But I always remember Mr. Davis, and I came works into him, and he used to say to me, that cow is a wild cow, <laughs> because it'll kick the bucket of, of, of milk over when I'm milking it, unless I tie its legs. <laughs> you know, and, and, and in a way... It's a picture of us coming into the house and we're all a bit wild. And God is taming us, isn't it? God is training us. You know, it's like a horse being broken in, isn't it? We've all got these uh, things that God is working on us. And he works on this woman. And it's quite remarkable how he works on her. Because she gets a reward and then she conceives a sixth son. And Zebulun means dwelling. I don't know about Leah. I think she came to the point where she realized that God was blessing her. She, she had half the tribes of Israel, six sons. 
and she wasn't even supposed to be married as far as Jacob was concerned, but as far as God was concerned, God chose her. God engineered the whole thing. God is, was behind the whole thing to put her in to the family of God. And thank God he engineered me in. And he's engineered you in. And maybe some of my relatives don't like it. You know, I wrote to one relative in Shrewsbury, never heard from them since, because they think we're all a bit, you know. But we are, we are part of the family of God, aren't we? We're part of God's household of faith. And afterwards she bought a daughter called Dinah. And, and, but the interesting thing is, if you look in, um, in uh, Genesis 49... 49 in verse 29. And you read down there, because we have to realize that um, when Rachel only had two sons, had Joseph, didn't she, and Benjamin. And when she was having Benjamin, she died in Bethlehem Ephrathah. That's where she was buried, in, in the front of Bethlehem. And, um, of course, so Leah outlived Rachel a long time. And it's here in, in, um, in Genesis, she is not Rachel, the one that Jacob loved, is buried in the family sepulchre of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, it's Leah. So she ends up on top and not on the bottom. <laughs> and I believe, you know, if we can understand we walk by faith, see, and we keep faith in our hearts like Leah, we will move from being a son to dwelling in God's house. See, God wants you to understand that you're a dwelling place of the presence of God. You don't just go to get the presence of God somewhere. God wants it to bring us to a realization that you are the temple of God and that God dwells in you. And Leah came to this satisfaction. And in a way, she was the one who made it right to the end where Rachel didn't. And so, you see, if, and it's a lesson for us, where Jacob looked at Rachel, she was the real deal, wasn't she? But the fact was, as far as God was concerned, Leah was the real deal. Why? Because she was willing to believe God, trust God, hear God, praise God, and then understand that she's that dwelling house of God. And God wants you to be that dwelling house. So you walk around all the time and you're conscious that the presence of God is with you. Jesus says, I never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't it? You've got to understand that God loves you. He's your father. And this is what struck me in this statement that Paul keeps saying. The grace and peace from God our Father. It's our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we can acknowledge him day by day, and I think Leah is a perfect example to me, and like us, we're all a bit wild, like she was called wild cow, we can be changed. Yeah, we, you know, we're in the process. God is working on you and me so that we can be conformed, as somebody said, to the image of Christ. So suddenly we come out of what we were in into what God wants us to have. He wants to bless us. He definitely wants us to have 
the best of everything. See, the lineage of Christ is the lineage of faith. And we are joined to Christ because we're in Christ. And what we've got to grasp is what Paul says in Romans 5. We'll just look at Romans 5 a minute. I won't keep you too long. Um, and he says, and this is what he says in verse 15 of Romans 5. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Through it, through if through the offence of one, that's Adam, many be dead, it says, much more, what? The grace of God. There's that word again. The grace of God and what? The gift of grace. This is Romans 5.15. Which is by one man, Christ Jesus, hath abounded to many. And it says, not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift, that's grace to us, is of many offenses and to what? Not forgiveness of sins, justification. You're declared righteous. God looks at you, your father, as he looks at Jesus, because you are covered with the righteousness of Christ. We've got to understand this. It's not about me, it's about me being clothed with his righteousness. And what sanctification, in justification, you're, you're clothed with the righteousness of God. And, and it says, Paul says, it's imputed to you. It's like you were bankrupt and suddenly, get, suddenly gives you a million dollars. And maybe if you're a spendthrift, you could, if you didn't handle that million dollars properly, you could waste it, couldn't you? As a lot of people have done. But what sanctification is, it gives you the ability to know how to invest the million dollars so you can live off it. So it's imparted righteousness. So justification is imputed, but sanctification is where righteousness is continually imparted to you. So you can live the life of faith. You can live, walk by faith and not by sight. Because sight is so powerful, isn't it? Rachel was so beautiful, wasn't she? She was so outstanding. Leah was, you know, not quite up to the mark. But God chooses who he will. God doesn't look on the outward, does he? He looks on the inward. And he saw what development of faith could grow in it. And you notice Rachel, when, she, when they fled from Laban, you know, God eventually, God, have we spoken about, I think, there's another message on Jacob somewhere on the DVDs, isn't there? <laughs> about, you know... Uh, how God brought Jacob back to the household of faith, Hebron. But you've got to understand, she wasn't quite right because <laughs> she stole the gods from her father. You know, as, as if she needed the gods. You know, that's the arm of flesh, isn't it? And she hid them under a camel. Remember, her father came to get them back and he got very angry with Jacob. He accused him of stealing these gods because he couldn't find them because she was sitting on them. But that's Rachel, see? She's beautiful, but she's not quite right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so don't look on the outward. God looks on the inward, doesn't he? So, and it's subtle, isn't it? Because the world looks on the outward. You know, they they idolize beauty and everything. But God looks at what is what does God look at? Well, I want to just give you a few verses and. If I can find what I want to say in, in my little book. <laughs> but um, this is what 
James says, <clears throat> James 4.10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will what? Lift you up. He will lift you up. Then there's another scripture, which is in 1 Peter 5.6. It says, Humble yourselves under, and this scripture has really helped me. <laughs> I don't know if it will help you. Humble yourselves under the what? The mighty hand of God. Think about this. When we're humbling ourselves to Christ to be Lord of that situation, we're humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Think about it. The mighty hand of God. That he might what? Exalt you in due season. In other words, it's good. Like, like Leah, it took a long time. It was a process but she was the wife that was buried with Jacob. You understand? She was the one that's honored in the end. You understand? And, and, and when I was thinking this, and because we know that people have got very exalted in their ministry, and you know, they think they've arrived, and they're the bees and knees and all this nonsense, and we've seen that pride has got into them, and, you know, and they fall, don't they? But this exaltation is not exalting you in yourself, exalting you, what I was talking about yesterday morning, to your place in heavenly places. You understand? It's putting you where Christ sits. Because if you and I can sit where he sits, and we can take our place in those heavenly places in Zion, we can then overcome, because we're looking at the situation as Jesus looks at it, because we've been exalted like he was. Not about me, it's about the body being joined to the head, isn't it? The true body of Christ is in heavenly places. We've been called to a heavenly life, as we sang that song at the beginning. A Canaan-type life is called, isn't it, in the Old Testament. You know, most people are living on this <coughs> bread and cheese, you know. What, not bread and cheese, what was it, manna and water? Well, you can exist on manna and water. One preacher said it's spiritual social security it's not that good you know is it you know you, you've got a temple you've got you know got a worship but there's you know it's all very barren and it's all very fruitless and but you see it takes faith to get out of that situation and, and God was testing Leah but she passed the test she came out on top and you can come out on top but you just got to let the process work in you humble yourself and he will exalt you He'll put you in the position where you reign. And this is what it says in Romans 5. If we go on in Romans 5, it says, um, if, in verse 17, if by one man's effect death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace. Think of that term there, abundance of grace. That's available to you. There's no shortage of grace. Our problem is to ask for it. Understand? There's no supply, there's no economic problem with grace in heaven. No, it just, it's just available. It says, abundance of grace, and what? The gift of righteousness shall what? Reign in life. Well, I'd like to reign. Wouldn't you? He wants you to reign in life. And when the obstacle comes, you see, we're all met by tests, trials, and temptations. Temptations come from Satan, Tests come from the Lord, but trials come from all this lot down here. You know, difficult relatives and all the rest of it. 
or whatever. We've all been through it. We all know what it's like. No, but we, we, we've got this availability. We've got something, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which gives us the ability to overcome. But if we don't get it, and we don't have it, we won't overcome. And for me, I mean, every one of us sitting here has got strengths, haven't we? But we've got weaknesses. When I was trained in business management, and I had to do it, I remember I was put into this place, and this place was losing thousands of pounds a week. I can't remember how much it was losing. And uh, they said to me, will you give us a business plan? Well, you know, a business plan takes a lot of work. You know, you've got to... Hours and hours, we're looking at this business, and you're looking at its strengths, and then its weaknesses. In other words, you can have a business that's dependent on too much of one thing. So that if you lose the one thing, the business goes down. Isn't it? But if you can diversify and have your, you know, have your, have it in many different pots that you can go to, you can keep everything going, can't you? Well, the problem is, in Christ, Christ has done all that work. He's worked the plan out. <laughs> we haven't got to do any of that. You know, all we've got to do is be available and ask for it. And make sure you know that your source is God, your Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And ask for grace, and you'll get peace. And when you get peace, you'll have glory. This is the, you know, a lot of people think it's glory when we get to glory. Well, yeah, it is going to be glorious there. You can sing about it, swing low and all this business, but I'm in the, the wretched now, aren't you? You're going through this now. You need grace, peace, and glory now. You know, all this car and donkey business. You know, we, we, the Christianity, God wants you to have it. Now is the day of salvation. So I'm asking the Lord to help me now because we've got things in our, life, in our family that need fixing. You know, I, I, I can't stand up and say, we got it, we haven't. But I'm asking for grace and peace to help me get through what I've got to go through. Because if you let the enemy get at your mind, he can play tricks with you. Oh yeah, he's a, he, he can put thoughts in your mind which will completely derail you if, you if you don't keep your mind renewed with the word of God. And so Paul says then, he says, that therefore as by one offense in 18, judgment came, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to what? Justification of life. For as one man's disobedience, as Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so my grace reign. How? How does it reign? It reigns through righteousness. That's how it reigns. And if you understand you've been declared righteous and you have the grace of God, you can reign in life. You understand? You get it? You can reign in life because you've got justification. God is working in your life and you're acknowledging your source is grace. That's the kingdom of God. It's your access. And And you can get through this. Whatever it is, God is not a disappointment. Without, and, and faith always works. You know when Abraham was at Mamre and the three, the Lord turned up with two angels, remember in Genesis, and he, he came and they made a fatty calf, remember? And he, Abraham rushed and Sarah, and uh, 
the, and, the, and the Lord said to Abraham, at the set time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah was 90, mind. And Sarah went back at the time and laughed. Well, you'd laugh if you were 90, wouldn't you? And goodness me. And then the Lord said to them, and, and, and Abraham said, well, how can this be? And the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, you have to keep looking at looking at the word and what it does it builds you a picture and when you can see it in your faith then you can have it but you have to see it first before you can have it you have to see it before you can have it isn't it and this is it another old preacher said to those in endure the promise is ensured well Leah endured she did she really endured so grace supplies Love gives, but faith takes. It takes what you need. So don't look at your own body, like Abraham. Don't look at the deadness of your deadness or your problems or whatever, but look to Jesus. Yes, See, don't look at yourself. Because if you keep looking at that, that will bring you down. No matter what condition you're in, Jesus can fix it. But you've got to have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Isn't it? But it's by grace. You read the Romans 5. Romans 5 is the greatest chapter on union. You were in Adam. You're now in Christ. And you mustn't think you were that same old man. You see, and some people believe this, like Abraham Kuyper and these other Bible teachers. They say, you're always carrying this old man round with you. Well, you're not, because if you carried a dead body around for long, you would stink. The old man has been crucified and the old stinker has been buried. <laughs> He's gone. And you're a completely new person, so don't let the enemy lie to you. Oh, but you say, I've done this, I've done that. Oh, that's where the blood of Jesus comes in. When you get cleansed with the blood of Jesus, it's forgotten. I mean, we have a job to forget when somebody hurts us, don't we? You know, every now and then we're getting out of the cage and give them a beating and put them back in again. We're not to do that. We're, we're to forgive them and forget, aren't we? But God forgets, and he gives you a brand new start. Yeah, we've all failed in some ways. I can't point the finger at you, because three fingers are pointing at me at the same time. So I can't, can I? I can't judge anybody, but I can judge myself. And this is where humility comes in. You know, I was telling John last night, I've got this little book on humility, and the Lord must be trying to get through to me, because, you know, we can think sometimes, well, we're doing all right, but are we? You know, we can look in the mirror and say, well, yeah, yeah. But no, no, we need to see Christ, don't we? And this is, this is what it is. Wisdom is the spiritual answer to a problem I'm experiencing. That's the word of God. Wisdom is the spiritual answer to a problem I'm experiencing. But I've got to get that wisdom. And the problem you have is that you've got to overcome this. Like Leah, I had to overcome all the hatred, the rejection, the isolation, and she had to keep believing that God was at work in her life, and God did work in her life. My, she became fruitful. And you can become fruitful, and I can become fruitful. And no matter if you were a wild cow, you can be changed. <laughs> Yeah, you can be changed. We're all in the process. We're all in the process, aren't we? It's wonderful what God can do for us. And so I pray the Holy Spirit will help you. 
as you go back from this conscience, because it says in Romans 14.23, whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. Why? Because God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. And I belong to a living Savior. Do you? Are you joined to him this morning? And we can receive from him. So it's wonderful what God has done, isn't it, for us? I pray the Holy Spirit will bless you. And a lot of people get confused, you see, between trust and faith. See, this woman said to me, I'm trusting God. Well, what does that mean? Good to trust God, but it's not trust that takes. Not once in the Gospels will you see Jesus saying, this person is trusting God, so I'll heal them. Not one. You won't find it in any Gospel anywhere where a person came to Jesus and said, I'm trusting God, and God says, I see your trust, and now I'm going to heal you. No. He says, I see your faith. And I asked the Holy Spirit, didn't we, about this, because this woman kept on about trust, And the Lord gave us this. He said, trust puts the responsibility on God. But faith puts the responsibility on the believer to believe. Understand? So there's a difference in that. And we've got to realize this. Trust relies on the character of God, which is good. We've got to trust God for his character is good. But faith relies on the veracity of the word of God. In other words, the a power of the word of God to do what it says it will do. So you need to build your faith. So if we ask for grace, and we like the grace of God to work in our lives, like it did in Leah, she started to hear God. You understand? She started to hear God. And God began to work on her behalf. And despite that she couldn't change, he couldn't change a lot of the circumstances, but he, he brought her out until she was a fruitful vine. And I want to be a fruitful vine, don't you? I want to enjoy my life. I want to have love, joy, and peace. I don't want to be impatient and irritable and, and always getting annoyed about something, you know. Who wants to be with somebody who's always irritated and annoyed and, you know, and impatient? No, no, he, he, he wants us to have peace. He wants you to have this peace. So the peace of God will keep your hearts through Jesus Christ. So it's far better for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because that hand can lift you up <laughs> into heavenly places. And in heavenly places, you get, as I said yesterday morning, what's called spiritual blessings. Yeah, I like spiritual blessings because <laughs> they're for spirit, soul, and body. You know, some people think it's all spiritual. Well, if you need something in this world, it's all in the heavenly account. I don't know what you need, but you can ask. <laughs> but to get it, you've got to get there. Get into the presence of the king, isn't it? It's like Esther. She had to take the scepter, and she had to get into the presence of the king to get it, didn't she? But she had to be, have enough boldness and faith to believe she could do it. And you've got to have that same boldness, you see? Because he says, we come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Do you know sometimes it's not a matter of just faith, it's a matter of crying out in mercy. Cry out to God and say, have mercy upon me. And you might come to faith then. Yes, you know, God is merciful. Like I said yesterday morning, Christmas Evans, he, he was in charge of uh, churches from 
Anglesey, what we call Kyriadigin now, the poor man had to walk everywhere. He didn't even have a bicycle, you know. He was walking everywhere, look at, and I think the poor chap was completely worn out. Walking over Cadaristus, it says, and he got that verse, he's not giving you the spirit of fear, Christmas, he's giving you the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry. Well, your child cries to you when he's little, you do something, don't you? If you had a baby and it was crying, you think, well, what's wrong with this baby? We're going to find out what's wrong, put it right. Well, God hears your cry. He says he hears the cry of the righteous. Oh, yeah. So we are in a household of faith, and I'm under the discipline of the Holy Spirit because grace is much more powerful than law. (laughs) Isn't it? All the law can do is condemn you, but grace can bring you life. It can bring you peace. It can bring you glory. (laughs) Isn't it? It can bring you what God wants you to have, the abundance Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So praise the Lord this morning, isn't it? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Ask the Lord that in the days ahead, we'll ask him to give us grace and peace. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to us, Lord. Whatever the need is in any any individual life this morning, that they will cry to you, that they will cry, Abba, Father. They'll cry unto you, Lord, because you are the one that can give us grace to help us in our time of need. Grace is favor. Grace is unusual favor that brings you unusual blessings because it's God's favor. And when we look at men and women like Leah and Abraham, we see the favor of God, how God blessed them. And we are under a better covenant We ask for the blessing of God to descend upon your people as we hunger after you, as we recognize that you are our source, that you are the very source of all blessings. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We rise and we enter into the heavenlies this morning. We enter in by faith in this new and living way that you have opened for us. You've broken down the middle wall that we might have this peace. And we pray wholeness and peace and blessing upon your people, Lord, that they will reach out and look to you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We will develop, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Meet every need, Lord. You know every need. The glory of God can touch anybody, anywhere, wherever they are, whatever they need, because you can meet their need, not according to our resources, not according to what we think, but according to those riches in glory. Oh Lord, you own it all. You have it all. You have all power. We bow before you, Lord, this morning, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Holy Spirit, you'll help us, as, as we prayed earlier, that we might partake of this table that you have laid for us, like a heavenly breakfast, Lord. You can prepare us a table in the midst of our enemies, whatever we need, Lord. We come, Lord, the faith that takes the faith that takes 
the faith that takes. The woman with the issue of blood, somebody said, saw the shopping trolley with all the provisions of God going by. And she reached out her hand and she took it. Lord, we can take it this morning. It's all available. It's all available for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep in the presence of God. Keep reaching out. Keep touching Jesus. Keep touching Jesus. Keep believing. Keep believing this morning. Keep believing. Keep touching Jesus.